This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Aquarium Co-op and their amazing all-in-one fertilizer, Easy Green. If you're like me and love planted tanks but weren't born with an aquatic green thumb, Easy Green is the stuff for you. Easy Green is super easy to dose and I use it in all of my planted tanks, both high and low-tech setups. I follow the instructions on the bottle and the results are healthy, vibrant plants. I know so many other Aquarists who swear by Easy Green and their tanks look amazing. You can even go back to previous episodes of this podcast where you hear several guests talk about their experience and love for this stuff. So head on over to AquariumCoop.com, drop some Easy Green in your cart, and use the code Aquarius5 at checkout to receive 5% off your order. And if you needed it, Corey has numerous videos on the Aquarium Co-op YouTube channel where he talks all about Easy Green, how to use it, and shows off his own tanks at home and in the store that are thriving on the stuff. Lastly, if you're enjoying the podcast, share the show with your friends, leave a rating wherever you listen to the episodes, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Wednesday, November 21st, 2018. My guest today is Juan Miguel Artigas. Juan is well-known and respected in the hobby, traveling the world speaking at clubs and conventions. Juan is a passionate naturalist who has a strong focus on cichlids, in particular those from Central America. Juan's experience, knowledge, and passion have culminated in the creation of the Cichlid Room Companion, the ultimate resource for cichlids since November 1997. It is with great honor that I welcome Juan to the Aquarius Podcast, all the way from his home in San Luis Potosi, Mexico. So Juan, welcome to the podcast. Great to be with you, Randy. So how is it this evening in uh, San Potosi, Mexico? Or San Luis Potosi, excuse me. Well, we have a very nice evening, actually. It's actually pretty mild temperature and... uh, Lovely day, clear skies. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, like, what what are your temperatures going to be like now that we're approaching the uh, the winter season? Well, probably we have like uh, thirty two Fahrenheit or mine or thirty Fahrenheit next next week. But uh, it's very fluctuating these days. It could be some days warm, and then we have a cold front, and then we have a few days which are cold, and then we come back to have some mild temperature. Okay, and, and just for the listeners, could you kind of describe, like, where um, where is San Luis Potosi in relation um, in the country of Mexico? Yeah, look, San Luis Potosi is found in the southern part of the Chihuahua Desert. Actually, this is where the Chihuahua Desert ends. It is found exactly in the geographical center of the country. It's north of Mexico City. It's 400 kilometers north of Mexico City, which is about 280 miles. Oh, okay, yeah. So I just pulled it up on Google Maps here. Excellent. And as far as uh, is it like kind of high desert or? Yeah, actually, it's, it's it's a very nice area because yes, we we live in the high desert here. It's it's two thousand meters over sea level, but the the mountains around are there are oak forests and uh, there's snow in the winters and uh, then you keep you keep going to the east or to the west and uh, you start going down. And uh, in altitude, and then you have like tropical forest, and even actually cloud forest. You can you can have not more than three hours driving from here. So it is very very nice to live here because you have all these different environments where you find all kind of uh, nature and uh, and uh, also different people and uh, it's, it's, it's actually pretty interesting it's, 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 it's a very rich area interesting yeah and i'm looking at the uh, the google destination for san luis potosi and it looks like you guys have a beautiful city center with a, a wonderful turquoise fountain which i would assume was what was that copper <laughs> at one time or what is that 
But it looks uh, it looks beautiful, and then you've got your yeah. cathedral and your museums. Beautiful architecture. You're probably looking at one fountain, which is found in Plaza del Carmen. It's one of the plazas. You know, the city has different plazas. Uh, when the city was founded, like uh, 400 and so years ago, uh, they divided seven seven areas because the this is mainly a mining town. Well, it used to be a mining town, and now it's, it's more than manufacturing town, but it used to be a mining town. And they brought people from several different parts of Mexico. And they would not get along very well with each other. So they divide the city in seven parts. And one of these parts has a different plaza, a different church, a different religious congregation. So that made this city quite interesting and variated. And uh, we have a pretty good number of very, very, very nice uh, constructions colonial constructions wow that is that is super cool history now after this interview i definitely want to go back and read a little bit more about san luis potosi uh and my listeners had no idea that within the first like five minutes they were going to learn something so cool about your uh, your hometown <laughs> so thank you thank you very much for sharing that with us juan and and if you wouldn't mind to kind of kick off the origin story of who um you know who you are as an aquarist as a naturalist you know what what are some of your earliest memories and what got you into the hobby well, uh, I was born in Mexico City. My my parents were immigrants from Spain. And when I was a little kid, I was a little boy, like three years old, I I don't know where, but I got to see some uh, picture of, um, I think it was an encyclopedia, because my mother used to have a, a store, and she would keep me there in the afternoons, and I was bored, and then I would take a book, and then I think somebody let me see one encyclopedia, and I saw the fish, and ever since that moment, I got hooked on, on fish. I wanted to read everything I could about them. I don't know why they, they impressed me so much, but I kind of remember that all my life I've been very interested in them. <laughs> Uh, when later on, when we uh, travel around Mexico, I used to see uh, rivers and lakes, and I wanted to know uh, what fish will be living in there. And so one day I'm going to go into these rivers and uh, we'll find out what, what kind of fish actually live in these places. And I pretty much don't so. <laughs> I pretty much visit all the rivers in Mexico. Well, not all, but at least... All the all the main rivers in Mexico I have visited and uh, and I kind of fulfilled my my dream. But the first time I saw cichlids it was actually in Tequesquitengo Lake. And the lake of Tequesquitengo is an artificial lake which is just uh, short of uh, 70, 70 miles from Mexico City, and it's basically a lake that is done for recreative. Uh, Ends. People has houses around the lake, and people go there skiing, and you know paddling and things like that. And my parents have a had a house there, and I went there once. The first time I was I went there, I saw cichlids, and they they were looking at me, and I was really marvelled by them. I, I think I was like six year six year old at the time. The cichlids were actually Erictis cyanobutatus, which had been introduced by aquarists. Even then, <laughs> I'm talking about nineteen. 50, 54, something. I mean, 64. And that's the Texas cichlid, right? Did I get the yeah, common name the, right? Okay. The Texas cichlid, yeah. It has been introduced there by aquarists. 
Oh, that's that's very cool. And so, were you um, were they used to being fed then by the tourists? No, uh, probably because they they were looking curiously at me. I never thought about it, but yeah, probably the people throw them some <laughs> some food. But uh, I, I I never saw them before. I mean, I had seen them in the in. Encyclopedias and then books and then, but I had never seen a fish alive actually, so that was my first encounter with with a with a fish and it was a cichlid and it was it was really fascinating. I was already fascinated by them, but I was living in Mexico City and, uh, and well, Mexico City there's no, no not much nature, so so I I didn't get to see fish before that. Can you recall back then in Mexico City what was the what was the aquarist scene like? Like you know what what were your pet stores like? What what were the available fish like to you? And um, did you know did many people keep fish at home? I don't know. You see, my my mother she bought me my first aquarium when I was seven, and uh, there was a, a a pretty nice aquarium shop, and uh, well the guy would advise me what should I keep and uh, I, I remember I used to keep some betas and I used to keep some copies and I used to keep some sore tails <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the aquarium show was pretty nice and I, I assume there should have been a lot more through the city because it's a big city but uh, as far as the organized hobby, I don't know, really. There's not much of that, probably. Uh, there's a few associations now in Mexico, quite few, but basically there's, there's not as many. And uh, one, of the, one of the causes, I believe, is because, well, here is a nice temperature country, so people just go out. Maybe. Yeah, you, you go outside. You don't, you don't stay inside when it's snowing. <laughs> Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah no, it, it it makes total sense. And so, so then for you, right? You're you're a boy. You've got your your first tank with some guppies and some sword tails. Uh, but you're living in an environment like you just said that you know you've got really nice weather there, and so you don't necessarily have to stay inside and be cooped in with your aquarium and and kind of live out a you know a tropical fantasy through this glass box. Like you live in an area that's that's fairly nice temperature so uh, how do you then continue to progress in your hobby and in your love of the fish did you um, did you get a formal education as you know pursuing kind of ichthyology or what route did you take from there well actually you're right the weather is very nice so I did not keep the fish for very long uh, my mother was kind of obsessive and she made me clean the tank very thoughtfully every week and I got tired of it so I I got rid of the fish and I just play with my friends on do outside activities, sports. Or so did, I, I'm sorry to start, stop you on, but did your mom, did she want you to clean the tank because she knew changing the water was good for them? Or was it like, I don't want dirty water in my house kind of mentality? Well, she didn't want anything. There. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> she wanted everything clean and perfect and the tank had to be also clean and perfect and it was my responsibility so I had to clean the gravel and the tank and everything it wasn't necessarily good for the fish as you know there was sure, no, sure, yeah, no yeah. Cycle, I mean no nitrogen cycle that could <laughs> actually develop there in that kind of environment but but in the end I was a, I was a boy I had a lot of friends I, I, I loved to go outside and uh, we actually did a lot of exploring in, in, in the surroundings of Mexico City. So I, I, I didn't keep the fish for, for, for long. Uh, 
I I got focused on other things like insects and all kind all, all, all type of nature, and I came back to fish when I was uh, at the university in college. Actually, I was uh, 18 years old when I came back to fish, but then I came back with full force. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that before that I was not related to fish because I, I used to swim and observe fish and particularly cichlids for for many years before that. I used to go to the rivers and observe the cichlids, try to take pictures of them, even before I kept them. But then at one point I started keeping fish again, and then I, I kept fish for many years. Oh, very cool. And, and then, so how did you start getting into the uh, the speaking circuit? I mean, I guess we're going to segue into the Cichlid Room Companion, but did did that, did the Cichlid Room Companion start first, or were you speaking at various clubs and traveling the world, sharing your knowledge? Yeah, I know I started uh, first to, to give talks. The Cichlid Room Companion started actually in uh, May 1996. The domain was bought in, in, in November '97, but the, the actual the site was started in May 6, 1996. And uh, I started giving talks before that. I think my, my first talk was uh, 1990, well, 1989 in the International Secret Conference in Orlando. I gave a, a, an informal talk for the for the Ciclosoma Study Group there, and it actually was. Uh, very, uh, how will I, how will I put it? It, it, it was very uh, stressing for because at the talk it was my first talk. It was my first talk about fish. It was my first talk in English, and in the room there was uh, Robert Miller, which is the guru of the Mexican fish. He was professor emeritus at the University of Michigan, and he wrote this wonderful book of the freshwater fishes of Mexico. He was there at the at the talk with Frederick Sikoki, which was a, another scientist pretty well known in studying cyclic behavior. So I was uh, really, uh, really feeling very nervous. But you know, uh, Bob, uh, he. He was very assuring towards me, and <laughs> he helped me get through the talk. That was that was my first talk. It was in 1889. In that particular convention, I met many great people, many friends. I I met at that, at that particular convention, like Cat Connings. I met I met him first there, and we are friends since since we very close friends since, and many other people I I, I met at that, that convention. I remember very fondly. Well, I can tell you, Juan, that I'm impressed that you're able to go to a different country, speak, you know, a second or a third language for yourself and give a presentation on, you know, kind of a, a scientific fish, you know, presentation for the most part. Um, so, you know, if I, were to, <laughs> if I were to get invited to a club in Mexico and try to use this little Spanish that I know, it would be an absolute disaster. So I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you did just fine. And my hat's off to you for being able to do that in a, in a second language, give a fish presentation. Yeah, thanks. And no, I think you will do fine because in this country, a lot of people actually understand English. <laughs> so you could do it in English too. Oh, very nice. And so then, um, so then I guess, what was the culminating decision then to start the Cichlid Room Companion, right? So you're going around, you're, you're doing these presentations, and then, you know, what, what leads to the light bulb? Well, uh, that's... Uh, 
that comes from a different uh, from a different origin than than my talks. And the thing is that I also love computers. Actually, even since I was a little boy, I, I the first handheld uh, computers I, I wanted to have, and when I was in, in you know in college i i work with computers and i created some system, engineering systems for computers and there was no internet at that time i mean, it was no 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 internet for the public and uh and then when when i first was able to get a connection to the internet that was in 1994 it was through the university, where I also sometimes uh, gave lectures and things, they let me use this connection. And uh, with this connection, I was able to find out that somebody in San Luis, Missouri, actually, his name is Kevin Carpenter. He's a systems engineer, and he used to work for Monsanto, if I remember correctly. He adapted one of these multi-use dungeons, so they were called at the time, so mods, which were basically games. People would use these these games to play in networks. Basically, they 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 were they are around since the middle seventies, I believe. But he uh, he he made it public in the internet, and he. Is or was I don't know. He was an aquarist. He was a saltwater aquarist, and he he wanted to make this this uh, something different with the mod. So he made a, a a chat room. One of the very first chat rooms there was. It was all text, and uh, I found out somehow about this chat room, and I went there, and there was no sickly room there. So I say, okay, I, why shouldn't I just uh, make the sickly room and take care of it? I could code it, so he accepted, and I, I I was given the sickly room there, and I started to add information. But it was very limited, as you can understand. It was great for knowing people, but great for uh, talking to people and uh, learn a lot of things about fish. But uh, information, like a source of information, it was not very efficient. I will just create objects that if you will explore them, you will then get some information about fish, about some fish, or what fish had gone extinct, or what where does that fish live. But it was very limiting. So in in '95, about '95, uh, there were commercial uh, already or commercial connections to the internet using a modem, of course. But I, I had a commercial connection. And then there was this this uh, person from Chicago. So he's a lawyer. It's uh, John Ben. John Ben. He is a fellow of the American Cichlid Association, and he's an extremely nice guy. And he he was very kind. Uh, he offered me actually. I was looking for for server space for setting up a, a homepage because I thought that. I had to put the, the information in a homepage. There were the, the very first homepage rounds. So he said, "Hey, I have this this uh, server space here in Chicago. It was called Pet Forum. Would, would you like to set your your page there?" I said, "Yes, yes, of course." So he he gave me the space and he actually gave me all the advice that I needed and he actually helped me to set up the the 
homepage there. So how will I call it? Say, okay, this has to be the companion of the sickly room. The sickly room was the the chat room we had in fish room. So that, that's how it got called the secret room companion, like an uh, information companion for the... <laughs> oh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah, I, I, honestly, that wasn't even one of my questions to ask you the name. I just figured it was a clever name you came up with, but <laughs> the fact that it's the companion to the cichlid room. <laughs> no duh. Yes. That's awesome. That's how it started. And uh, that was, well, uh, 22 years ago. And... Uh, I haven't stopped working on that side for a single day. You know, when I started the side, I thought, okay, I will work hard for a few years, but then uh, it will be easier because a lot of information is going to be there. So I, I am not going to need to, to work that hard on that page anymore. Just probably one hour a day or so, it will, be, it will make it. But the thing is that that was just a, <laughs> a wishful thinking. It's actually... A, a time uh, black hole this this side is uh, because you can never end uh, the information about secrets. You can never actually get all the information there. And, ha- and I have a lot of help doing it. But even so, now I see that uh, I will never finish with it. <laughs> and so, and so that, and so that is an excellent, you know. Uh, a story of, of how you got to the point of the cichlid room companion and how you came across that the name cichlid room companion and i realize now that we actually haven't really given that much of a flyby for the listeners um in your words juan why don't you go ahead and kind of give us the high level what is the cichlid room companion yeah well the cichlid room companion is basically a source of trustable information about cichlid uh, it, it is not focusing of uh, aquarium keeping. It is, it is focused on every aspect of, of cichlids like uh, taxonomy, natural history, and of course also also aquarism. But uh, basically, what I try to offer is uh, every available information which can, you can trust about cichlids, and I have pretty good company doing it. I, I remember. I think one of the successes in, the, in, in uh, this, of the site is, be, is because of the, of the people that have helped me get uh, the information there and uh, have constantly correct me and giving me advice about the, the mistakes I have made all around. And uh, and uh, these people have actually have a lot of, a lot of the credit of what the Cyclone Companion is today. I I read once in this book of. Uh, I think it was the Carnegie. It's uh, how to make friends and influence people. Uh, I think it was that 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 book. He said that if you wanted to do something good, you had to to get a great team. <laughs> he was absolutely right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the Cichlid Room Companion is is chocked full of information. Um, we'll give a little plug to the American Cichlid Association because when you join them, which I did probably a month or so ago, uh, you actually get a, a subscription. Um, I think it, it runs the same duration as your uh, Amer- your American Cichlid Association membership, but you get a um, you get access to the Cichlid Room Companion. So there there's there are things that are free uh, to view on the Cichlid Room Companion, but to get full access to this. You know, and I still don't even think we've fully gone into how much information is in this. Uh, but to get full access to the Cichlid Room Companion, um, you know, that comes free with the American Cichlid Association membership. So for me, it was a no-brainer, um, and I and I should have done it, you know, months sooner. But you know, it's just something to get around to. And I've been playing around with the site for the, uh, you know, since then, and, and going in and just looking at all of the. 
um, you know, incredible amounts of information. And I think what's really cool is that you can search for fish different ways. Like you can, um, I, I think what's really cool is that you can actually see all of the genus um, for the various countries or, or the um, countries or, or continents, if you will. Granted, Central America is broken out of North America, but nonetheless, you see all the genus that are that are within those respective countries or continents, um, and then you can click in them and get even more information and see the species level, and it's just an absolute treasure trove of information. Yes, uh, it's uh, actually there's so much so much utilities that uh, you see long to describe. Inside, he has a a library. Uh, it has a catalog. It also has an article section, and it has a spam, which she, where she replies to to many many questions that people pose to her about about cichlids. She's always ready to help people, as you as you know, punching. And uh, there's a lot of information in there. And the the site, I don't know. The last time I saw, I haven't seen in the past few years, but the last time I saw it was uh, five hundred thousand likes of. Uh, PHP code is <laughs> a big site. Wow, yeah, that, that sounds like a lot. Um, so in, in terms of initially populating the site, were you kind of on your own in your house uh, going through scientific papers where they're describing species and you're going in and, and putting them in one by one? Every day, yes. Okay. And then, Every... and then are you getting so like uh, somebody like a Pam Chin or an Odd Connings, are they emailing you on an everyday basis? Like, hey, Juan, look, look what fish you don't have right now, or this information got updated. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, well, the first, the first few years, uh, basically, was my own. Yeah, but I would work uh, like if I, I was doing a business trip. Uh, if I had to uh, lay, lay over at the airport, I would work on the side. Uh, every night I walk on the side. Every 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 moment I had free, I would work on the side for, for several years. Then it got to a point where that, that Conning said, at one point, hey, this is great. You have great information. He was actually, uh, he had actually a secret catalog of those days. But I say, I, I think I'm going to take off this catalog because yours is, is better. And I think I'm going to work on your catalog. So he, since that moment, he started working at the site and he contributes all the time. A lot of the information that we have on the site, we own to, well, to many people, as I said, we have a long list of authors, but but to add, add Connings, he, he's been one of the main pillars of the site too. And many other people. I don't want to list with people because I'm sure I'm going to want to be short <laughs> no i mean i i guess my uh, my pop culture reference to the cichlid room companion but it, it would be like the avengers like these you know you like yourself and pam and odd and um, all the various people that contribute are you know almost the avengers and they're coming together and they're making this absolutely amazing site and on their own you know they're the world-class speakers like you know you want are, are a world-class speaker that uh, people would love to have at their fish clubs i know i'd love to have you up in seattle to talk at our club um but, you know, for all of those people to come together and pull their resources and put all of that information and knowledge into one site. And like you said earlier, it's a trustable site. Like this isn't just some random website that is talking about cichlids or, you know, giving you information about some epistogramma species. Like this is verifiable, trusted uh, information straight from people that are probably already out there in the field doing the collecting, doing the, doing the research, um, getting that information back to you. Yeah, we get the information from papers, for scientific papers, for trustable books. 
And we also have a group of um, people that specialize, and uh, I do not take the decisions for the site. For example, in whatever relates to Lake Malawi or Lake Tanganyika, I let the specialists like which are Patrick Tawil and Nat Connings, they are two main people that advise me in the... In relation to Lake Malawi and Lake Tanganyika, they actually, when, when there's something subjective, when there's something objective, I always follow the objective rules. I follow the rules of the of the International Colossological Nomenclature, but when it's something, something subjective, like if this species is, is potentially new or not, or um, this is different from this, things like that, I always let them take the decision themselves. Yeah, I, I, I just rely on them. I could not do it myself, so I, I had to rely on these great people for for having a good site. Yeah, and one of the things I want to do too to, to engage with the Cichlid Room Companion is I, I need to go through and look at the more recent uh, Ask Pam questions and responses, and I need to try to, to, to come up with... Uh, not to stump her, but I just want to come up with a good question to engage Pam with on the site and really take advantage of that resource that you guys have on there. You know, having her on the show, um, knowing that she just came back from Lake Tanganyika, you know, there, there's some there's some question out there that I need to ask her to to really you know feel like I've I've really interacted with your site. No, don't get me wrong, I've gotten a ton of information from it and you know clicked all over the place and looked at all sorts of cool cichlids, but uh, I I feel like that's something I need to do here in the next couple months. Right. Yes. And so, so I, I and yeah. I want I want to do something a little bit different. I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you a question about uh, maybe a Central American cichlid or a Mexican cichlid. And while while we're talking about it, I want to actually you know use your site and get this information. So the question is going to be, what do you think is um, an underrated cichlid? Maybe it's a Mexican cichlid or a Central American cichlid that you're really passionate about, but maybe it's not very well represented in the hobby. Well, yeah, there's there's quite a few species that are not represented in the hobby, and one of them is uh, Rocio spinosissima. It's a little cichlid from uh, Guatemala, uh, which is uh, I think it's very suitable for for small aquariums. It's not too aggressive. It does doesn't have many requirements, and it's probably not in the hobby in the United States or very or if it's in the hobby there's underrepresented for sure. And uh, of course there's there's cichlids in Central America which you could not keep in your aquarium unless you are an expert aquarist, like uh, for example Paracromis Dobby, this uh dwarf wapote from Costa Rica and Nicaragua. That would be a fish that it's almost impossible to keep because it's so aggressive. It requires such a, lo- a long time, a large time. Even so, people like Pam Chin were very successful in keeping them, but that's that's the exception to the rule. Not many people, I think, are, are able to keep those fish. So. Oh, I, did, I didn't know Pam had a dovii. Oh, yeah. He, oh, she my had... goodness. What Was she like a thousand-gallon tank then? Yeah, well, she had very large tanks with wow. them. Wow. Actually, one of, of her dovai she she named after me. Oh, nice! <laughs> she, Juan Miguel, she was. <laughs> she had a dovai named Juan Miguel. That is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but wonderful fish. She wonderful fish, and she has. I, I never saw such a most more, more beautiful dovai than uh, one of the two dovai that she was keeping. She was keeping just two dovai, but even so, she was keeping them uh, individually in an aquarium because, as I said, they're so aggressive that 
even in a 12 foot tank they will kill each other so those fish you cannot keep in the aquarium and on the other side in central america there there are small fish which are suitable for small aquariums and different sort of water condition like uh, as i said rocio octofasiata or the convict cichlid it's also a beautiful cichlid that as you can as you know and uh, very very easy to keep and, and breed so there's a, quite a, an assortment of, of, of Central American uh, cichlids that you can and uh, you can look for depending on your interest. If, if I were to make you, if I were to have you pick one, right? You're you're stranded on a desert island and you can only keep one of the fish. Which which one is it? One you got? I need you. I need you to narrow it down. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. <laughs> I will not keep any, no, just not to <laughs> to have to decide against others. <laughs> All right. So, which one? Which one would be the flavor of the month then for you? Which one, if you were to go back into the Central Americans, do you really like right now? Oh, I like. I like. I part, it's not keeping. I I really uh, admire or in, or admiring in the wild. Let me rephrase yeah. that. Which one would you yeah. really want to go and admire in the wild right I, now if the temperature was right and the conditions were right? Yeah, one of my favorite cichlids. Uh, well, there's many, but is uh, that I find very interesting is Reoheros uh, cerulius or Reoheros lentiginosa. They are some closely related, two closely related species that inhabit in Guatemala. Reoheros cerulius actually just inhabit in a river in Mexico, which is the Rio Tulija. And I find this fish very, very interesting because uh, it's a different. Uh, it's a different type of breeding behavior than what you observe in many other Central American cichlids. It's a small cichlid that it's uh, makes its living in the currents, in the very pristine water uh, currents of the state of Chiapas. And uh, they they have different colorations according to their mood. It's like the, the the females have four different colorations. They have a normal coloration, then they have a courting coloration, and then they have a breeding coloration, and then they have another coloration when taking care of the of the fry. And all of the four different colorations are actually different from each other, very different from each other, very. I find this this fish very very interesting. Yeah, I like it a lot. Oh, very cool. Yeah, Cerulius, Rogero Cerulius. Also, it's a fish that many people find interesting because it's very difficult to keep at home. It's probably one of one of the most difficult cichlids that you can keep uh, at home from Central America. Oh, what makes it so difficult to keep? Well, and uh, they require pristine conditions. They're shy in the aquarium. They're uh, and they, it's, it's a challenge to bring them out and make them breed for you. It's just not many people that actually is able to do that. So not, so not to, not to ask you a, a controversial question, but what, when it comes to fish like that, that are, you know, incredibly shy and, and are very difficult to take to an aquarium, uh, yeah. would it be your opinion that those should be fish that we should just leave in the natural environment? Or do you think that, you know, it, it, it still should be taken on as a, as a challenge to try and, you know, have them in an aquarium and breed them in captivity and, and, you know, circulate them through the hobby? Yeah, well, you know, this fish is not shy in the wild. In the wild, it's, it's wonderful to observe. Uh, and it's not shy at all. It is shy in the aquarium, so it's uh, 
it is the aquarist to blame. So it's actually a challenge for the aquarist to see what is doing wrong and why it's not breathing, why it's not uh, growing, what is not uh, showing in the aquarium. So, so I think it's a challenge that uh, people can, experienced people can, can take and learn about this fish because learning about this particular fish, you will also learn a lot about other fish. So I think for some people, yes, it, it, it will be a nice challenge. I, I know some people which are obsessed with this fish, and some people have actually read them, like Rusty Wessel, he, 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 he has read them several times in, in his, at his home. And other people, not just him, many other people have also read them. Yeah. Okay, so so then it, with the so then the onus is really on the aquarist then to um, ensure that they are going to put forth the effort to try and you know give as m a, the most comfortable environment as possible for these fish. Um, if you're going to take on a known you know difficult fish to keep in the aquarium, then yeah, well you get you get into the into the aquarium hobby and then you start uh, taking challenges. Uh, Every every time you want a more difficult fish, or <laughs> so uh, when you get to that point in Central American cichlids, then you get to cerulius. Uh, you you need to you want to be probably cerulius because it's a challenge. And it's also a very beautiful and interesting cichlid, as I mentioned before. And it's a challenge, so if you want to take it, well, yes, you you can you can actually do it because uh, it's possible. Well, it's possible to breed. It's just a little difficult, but this is 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 possible to read if you take the the, the required steps to do it and required care. Yeah, no, fair enough. I li I like the way that you uh, you phrased your response, uh, definitely. So let's uh, let's ask, what does uh, 2019 and beyond hold for you? So aside from working on the Cichlid Room Companion, which I, I know you said is going to keep you busy <laughs> for many many years to come, uh, what do you have on your agenda? What can you share with us of of what you'll be doing in the coming years? I don't know. <laughs> as much uh, field trips as I can. And that, that's for sure. I will do it, uh, as many field trips as I can. That's what I do. <laughs> and now, are your field trips, are you organizing any, um, or are you joining up with, with trips that are already happening? No, you see, I, I've been traveling with, uh, I travel with friends for, for many years, and uh, I, I've been traveling recently with very good friends, like... Uh, uh, Rusty, Rusty, and Westland and me have been traveling together for over twenty years now. I think every year we do at least one trip together. And also, Ad Connings joined us, and another friend from Monterrey, which is Melo Salazar. He's he's been joining us for the past few years, and uh, we're just a small group of people. We don't we don't uh, travel in big groups. Uh, many many times I just travel with with Ad or with Rusty, but now we the four of us are traveling for for these past years and we're having a very good time. So we we may continue doing it. Yeah, that that sounds like an excellent trip to try to uh, hide in one of your guys' suitcases and uh, learn from the if the masters out there collecting and observing fish in the wild. Well, we don't collect much. We just observe fish and take photographs. <laughs> Hey, that still sounds like an awesome time to me. So, one, how can people get a hold of, or where can people find the Cichlid Room Companion? 
Yeah, the the Secret Companion you can you can search in Google and immediately will come up the Secret Companion or the, the because the address is the is 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 the, the scientific name of the family which is Cichlidae Cichlidae dot com Cichlidae dot com. But if you have trouble uh, writing that, you just look for Secret Room Companion and I will it will show in any any search utility like Google or any other one. And I will make sure that I have a link to the Cichlid Room Companion in the show notes. So somebody, you know, you can either Google it and it, and it absolutely does come up, you know, pretty much one of the first results, um, or you can click directly on the link in the show notes. And is there any section, if somebody wanted to directly ask you a question, um, or is it, you know, is it kind of, does Pam have the corner on the, uh, the asking the questions on the Cichlid Room Companion? Yeah, well, we have two utilities for for uh, interaction. One of them is uh, is uh, Ask Pam, which Pam always checks and replies to the to the questions that people post to her. And then there's also a forum. We have we have also a forum at the site, and it's a pretty good level forum. Uh, people uh, discuss uh, all kind of cyclic matters there, for taxonomy or keeping or different uh, different uh, type of, of cyclists from different areas of the world and it has a pretty good level the people that that contribute there have, have pretty good level and I, I always learn a lot about the, uh, my own form <laughs> so that, that's that's the interaction part and uh, the site is basically about information but it can also provide you with information you can you can actually re- request uh, news from a particular species and and once we get an, like a new picture, video, or reference for for that species, uh, or any any sort of valuable information that we can get about that species, you will get notified, and you will get a a digest. If you subscribe to different species, you get a digest uh, when we have information about them, and so you can keep up to the to the advances in knowledge about particular cichlid species, and you can subscribe to as many species as you want. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Juan, I just want to say, you know, on behalf of myself and all the cichlid list or cichlid keepers that are that are in the listener audience of this show, um, you know, thank you very much for your dedication to, um, you know, being a naturalist and sharing and, and well, documenting and sharing all of this cichlid knowledge and um, continuing to pulling to, to pull together all of the the updates and all the new information coming in about these fish with pictures and videos and map locations and just all of this information um, and the effort that you're putting forth, which, you know, something that you said was you thought was only going to be a couple year effort, um, you know, it's so, it's so time consuming. But um, I, I really hope that every day, you know, people are saying thank you to you for continuing to do this site and um, again to pull pulling all of these cichlid experts together to get that information available to the public. And I would wager that um, anybody listening to this show that's ever Googled anything about cichlids or put in a species name has probably ended up at the Cichlid Room Companion at one point or another, and has probably received information already. Um, So again, thank you so much for that. Um, And I would say thank you very much for coming on tonight uh, to the Aquarius Podcast. Thanks for having me, Randy. Thank you again for listening to the Aquarius Podcast. As always, get involved in your local fish club, help grow this wonderful hobby, and have fun with other fish nerds.